Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it is one of those stories uh, where the history gets a little fuzzy, but it's just so good that you want to believe that it's true. See, this, uh, this story takes us back about 400 years, and so for just a moment, I want you to imagine that it is a foggy September morning, something that's probably not so hard to do. I want you to imagine that it's a foggy September morning in Central Europe. The year is 1631, and, and the Thirty Years' War is raging on all around us. And this war, among other things, is going to determine whether or not Lutherans are able to worship in Europe. And at this point in history, uh, there are three things that you need to know. First, the Thirty Years' War has been going on for a while now. More than a decade, 13 years to be exact. Second, uh, things aren't going so well for the Lutherans. They have lost almost every single battle. Uh, but third, there is this glimmer of hope off on the horizon. And this glimmer of hope has something to do with the king of Sweden. The Lutheran king of Sweden who has just decided to enter this war. And that's why this morning is uh, just so important, because right now he is showing up to fight his very first battle. You see, this is the point when the history gets a little fuzzy, and, uh, and the good story begins to take over. You see, it's early in the morning, and the king of Sweden knows that his enemies are hiding across the field. And so what does he do? Well, he commands his army to kneel. And then he prays to the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. A mighty fortress is our God. A trusty shield and weapon, he helps us free from every need that hath us now or taken. And that's when he rises, mounts his horse, and leads the Swedish army off to win the German Reformation. Now, it's at this point in the story that I should remind you that we don't actually know uh, if this happened. All we know is that about 200 years later, uh, poets and historians living in Germany begin to tell us that it happened. Yeah, maybe it's uh, because of the story, or maybe it's because of something else, but it's also around this time that these very same poets and historians begin to give this hymn the hymn that this Swedish king supposedly prayed, they begin to give it a title. They begin to call it the battle hymn of the Reformation. You see, they begin to call the hymn that we're going to sing at the end of our service today, A Mighty Fortress, they begin to call it the battle hymn, the Reformation. Now bring this up, I tell this story and then I point to this hymn for one very simple reason to point out that this is not actually how this hymn was originally known. You see, if you, uh, if you dig out the earliest copies we have, what's essentially sheet music from the late 1520s, uh, what you'll discover is a hymn that has a very different title. And, and that title is the place I'd like to focus our sermon. A Mighty Fortress, A Hymn of Comfort, 
Now, as many of you know, uh, today is a special Sunday here at Messiah. Uh, it's a special Sunday that gets wrapped up in a whole other special Sunday. And that's because uh, today is Confirmation Sunday here at Messiah. And so in just a few minutes, uh, four young people, four young people who are not so young anymore, are going to stand up here and confess their faith. They're going to affirm that what God did more than a decade ago in their baptism, they're going to affirm that it is indeed true. They belong to him. As you can probably imagine, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, they're going to stand up here and I'm going to ask them a whole bunch of questions. Questions like, are you willing to suffer everything, even death, rather than fall away from your faith? And before all of us, uh, they are going to say something like, we will with the help of God. As you can probably imagine, that is a pretty big deal. And so today is uh, Confirmation Sunday, and then Confirmation Sunday gets all wrapped up in another Sunday, uh, Reformation Sunday, which brings us back to a mighty fortress, its two titles, and the place I want to focus our sermon. You see, when we think about the Reformation, I think it's really easy to get the wrong impression. That the Reformation is the story of Lutherans discovering the gospel and then doing battle with everyone else. When the real story is much different. You see, the story of the Reformation is the story of Lutherans discovering the gospel and then finding comfort. So much comfort that they are then compelled to go out and tell everyone about it. You know, you might just say that this is a, a little bit of a stretch, uh, but I actually think that this is what makes Reformation Sunday the perfect Sunday to celebrate Confirmation Sunday because that is the story of our four Confirmation students. It's the story of four people who have found comfort in the gospel and now feel compelled to say something about it. You see, Nora, um, in Jesus, God did something absolutely incredible. He gave you a gift. And Jimmy, you, uh, you didn't do anything to deserve it. And Lydia, you didn't do anything to earn it. It just happened. Because God loves you. And that gift, August, that gift is the supernatural ability to trust God when you otherwise wouldn't. And, uh, and it isn't always easy to trust. Especially when that means trusting someone that you have never seen before. And yet here you are this morning. Not because you've figured everything out, but rather because you've received this gift. And over the past two and a half years, you've learned more about it, and now you feel compelled to say something. And so as you uh, prepare to confess your faith here at Messiah, there are two things uh, that I want you to remember about the God you are confessing. And those two things are found in Psalm 46, the psalm that inspired Martin Luther to write a mighty fortress almost 500 years ago. 
And to understand these two things, uh, you need to understand something about uh, this psalm. You see, Psalm 46, like most psalms, is a poem. Uh, It might even have been a song. And like all good poems and songs, that means it has stanzas and a refrain. And, And these stanzas, they tell us what God does in a world that often seems out of control. That, for example, when the, uh, when the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, our God is an ever-present help in trouble. Not about you, but I find a, a whole lot of comfort in that. You see, it's, uh, it's not the stanzas in this hymn that I want to draw your attention to. Instead, it's the refrain. Because the refrain in this psalm, it's the confession of faith that this psalmist gives. It's sort of like the confession of faith that the the four of you are going to make in just a few moments here in front of all of us. And this confession, it tells us uh, two things about who God is. It uses two different images, the Lord Almighty and the God of Jacob. You see, the good news, uh, the comfort that this psalm writer confesses is that in a world that so often seems out of control, the Lord Almighty is with us, and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Uh, Now, as some of you may know, um, and I think as the four of you are already aware, um, I was out of town two weeks ago. I took our two boys up to Chicago, and we got to see uh, my parents. But the reason for our trip uh, was not uh, to go up to Chicago to see family. The reason uh, for our trip was to attend a funeral. See, a little over a month ago, uh, the wife of my childhood best friend died of cancer. Uh, They've been married for eight years, and, uh, and for six of those eight years, Uh, the wife of my childhood best friend fought cancer. As you can probably imagine, uh, during that time, there were uh, a whole bunch of ups and downs. I mean, during that time, uh, they welcomed uh, their daughter into this world, a little girl, Anna. She's six years old. Uh, But during the same time, you know, there were all these surgeries and setbacks. And so two weeks ago, I'm, I'm sitting at this funeral, the funeral of my childhood best friend, and, uh, and as I'm sitting there, my mind drifted to the four of you. Uh, because I met my childhood best friend when I was one of the four of you. See, we, uh, we attended confirmation together. You know, at the end of the service, uh, he and his daughter got up to leave. They, they walked out the front like you do after a funeral. And uh, it reminded me of all the places that life can lead you. And it reminded me of all the ways uh, that life can seem out of control. And, and I don't know the story that your lives will take, but when you find yourselves in moments like this, I want you to remember Psalm 46, what it confesses. The Lord Almighty is with us. And, uh, and this name, it refers to the, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. And it reminds us that even when our world comes crashing down, our God is still in charge. 
And the promise that he has made to the four of you, the promise that he's made to all of you, you can count on it. And so Jesus will say things like, uh, in this world you will have trouble, uh, which is true. It's also one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, But then Jesus will go on to say, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, that's exactly what Jesus did for the four of you. It's exactly what he did for all of you on a cross outside of Jerusalem, at an empty tomb on Easter morning, when he ascended into heaven, when he promised that someday he is going to come back, and when he does, he is going to put our broken, hurting, sinful world back together again. So that's the first thing I want you to remember. I want you to remember that the Lord Almighty is with us. And the second thing is this, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, I'm not going to put the four of you on the spot, but for just a moment, I want you to think about all the things that you know uh, about the guy named Jacob that we meet in the Bible. Maybe you know a thing or two about Jacob. Maybe you remember that he is, uh, he is the youngest of two children. You've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, and then you've got his two boys, Jacob and Esau. But Jacob's the younger son. Esau is the older brother. And that means that Jacob shouldn't get his father's inheritance. Uh, but if you know Jacob's story, you know that Jacob finds a way to get it. That's why the name Jacob actually means swindler, uh, because he does something that's kind of devious. He, he tricks his brother into giving him his inheritance. And, and you see, this isn't the only thing that we know about Jacob. We know that Jacob has two wives, and that he loves one more than the other, which is really weird. And then there's this story about how Jacob wrestles with God, and God gives him a new name. He calls him Israel, which means wrestles with God. And I bring all of this up because Psalm 46 could use all sorts of names or images to refer to God. And you've already heard one of them. But you see, that's when Psalm 46 picks another, and the one that Psalm 46 picks is the God of Jacob. Yeah, I got to wonder if, uh, if this would have surprised Jacob because he's not the kind of guy that you'd expect God to care about. Except he does. Again, I don't know what life or where life will take you. But if you ever find yourself in a moment like this wondering if God cares about you, or wondering why God cares about you, I want you to remember what Psalm 46 confesses. That our God is the God of Jacob. He's the God who cares for people that you don't expect. And if he cares for someone like that, then he certainly cares for each of you. And so two things. Uh, There are two things I want you to remember on this, the day of your confirmation. First, I want you to remember that our God is the Lord Almighty, that he's in charge, that he keeps his promises, and and that he fights for you even when he costs him everything. 
And second, I want you to remember that our God is also the God of Jacob. He's the God of someone you don't expect, and that's important because that is the story of every single person here in this sanctuary this morning. You see, our story is the story of people that you wouldn't expect. And yet, God has given us this gift. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. It just happened. Because God loves us. And so I pray God's blessings on all of you. And I pray God's blessings especially on the four of you as you stand in a long tradition those who confess their faith, those who affirm that what God did in their baptism is really true. You belong to him. In the name of Jesus, amen.